welcome to Soberholic Podcast. This show is designed to address topics that will encourage, equip, and inspire you to explore life's most difficult topics and overcome your biggest challenges. Today, your hosts, Roger and Jason, will share from their own experience how you can find hope and healing in recovery. All right, guys. I'm in studio today with Jeff Stoltz. Did I say that right? You did, man. I'm very impressed. Hey, it's good. It's good. <laughs> so, man, I have been so excited about this. We talked on the phone, and we were talking about you coming in. And how people find you, I don't know, but you seem to be on the road a lot. Well, you know, social media, man. It's, in fact, you know, if you look back, they 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 finished construction of the Roman Roman Highway right before Jesus' ministry, right? Right. And so that's how they got the word. I mean, if it weren't for that, his ministry wouldn't have been able to spread the way it did. So social media, man, that's the new Roman Highway. And so I use that, man. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I'm all over it, man. And and, and so people, you know, the more you're on it, the more they follow you. And praise God, you know, he knew I I had some ego. He created me like that. So so I draw attention and then send it to him, you know? So I'm going to stereotype the crap out of this, but you you don't look like a social media guy. Ah, that's right, man. That's right. That's right. I got a face for radio and podcast, right? <laughs> no, man. I mean, I just see the importance of it. Yep. And it's a way to get the word out, you know, all over the world, actually, you know. And uh, it's just been amazing, man, The you know, the feedback and the, the following that's come along with that, you know, because mm-hmm. of, because I post regularly. Right. And, uh, you know, and then I post honestly and openly, you yeah. know, about myself and my life and, you know, not just not just the good stuff, but the tough stuff too yeah. yeah so um it's hard to even do like a bio for you i didn't ask for one because i you know we've got to i've got to know you and i've seen god just expand your 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 ministry and do different things but so when i first met you you were well one you served in celebrate recovery now you're on the national team of celebrate recovery and then um at that time you looked much different and you were an actor um right. you, you, you did some you, you were the umpire at home, home run yeah home that's run what started my acting yeah. career yeah. Yeah, yeah, and so. then you were doing a lot of other like you had all these headshots that were oh, like yeah, yeah, you looked man. a lot better then. Oh, man. I still audition, you know. All the time. <laughs> we got a great agent down in Atlanta, Jana Van Dyke, man, and she looks out for me, and she's just amazing. And I've been in a few other movies and TV shows, and you know, but but you're right, my look has changed right. because let me tell you, when I got saved and sober back in 2007, I knew there were Christian bikers, but because of my lifestyle as a biker in the motorcycle clubs as a leader for years, I did didn't think that that was something I could do. I was afraid that it would pull me back into that life. So right. I thought I had to give up being a biker, man. So yeah, I was clean cut, man. In fact, I was a suit and tie guy for a little while. I ordained pastor at church, man, of a big church. And I was all cleaned up, man. And, and uh, you know, then back in 2016, you know, God told me it's okay to ride for Christ's sake. Amen. Yeah, it's funny because, Jason, I know you don't really know Jeff the way that I've got to see him. And we ain't been like best friends, but we've ran into a lot of different things with recovery conferences through Celebrate Recovery. And I don't guess you can take the biker out of a guy. I've never even rode a bike. Well, that's the thing. You know what I realized in 2016, for nine years, I've been in recovery, I've been a Christian, and I was still wearing a mask. 
You see, because this is who I am, man. This is who I've been my whole adult life. And so, you know, Rick Warren said one time, he said, figure out what it is you love to do, what you have a passion to do, and then do it for God's glory. And so, man, I'm doing what I was born to do now, and I get to be me while I do it, right? Because this is who God created me to be. Every time we would get shirts like the silver recovery shirt he's got on now, he had taken and cut the arms out of him. That's right, As quick as he got it, he's cutting the arms out of them things. I that. I always been that's that way. right, man. Yeah. Well, when you got guns like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, 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 well. <laughs> hey, the coolest thing, though, uh, Amanda and I, we, we would get to see Jeff like once a year, and we were talking about this, and we was like, you don't really have to see him. You could hear him beforehand, and you would always hear him come around the corner, glory, glory, glory. glory. <laughs> you, got, you remember, boy. That's what my wife says. My wife says when she wants to find me at a conference, she just gets real quiet and listens. <laughs> but even to go on further, like with bio with you, man, it's just amazing. You, you was just telling me you've written a book now. Yes, yes. So, I mean, man, I got a book out. It's called Hope Dealer. And it's just about my life, you know, and after Broken Chain started in 2016, uh, November of that year, man, God, I heard clearly from God, man, about hitting the road. And so, the, you know, the crazy part is, you know, I have a lot of people say, how do you, how did you work all that out? Well, God worked all that out. I've been sharing my testimony on the road since back in 09. But, but in, in 2016, in November, God spoke to me and said, I want you to hit the road, man. And so I, I talked to my wife. We prayed about it. We decided we, she couldn't come with me, but we were in it together. And, uh, and I just started traveling on my motorcycle, you know. So, so half the year, basically two weeks out of the month, I'm usually on the road on the motorcycle, uh, sharing the gospel. And, and the truth is, it's not. Uh, it's not. Well, the the, the celebrate recovery ministries, the churches I preach at, they're the reason for getting getting me on the road. But the ministry, man. The ministry is at the gas stations. Mm. I mean, at the gas pumps, yeah. in the convenience stores, at the hotel desks, man. I mean, at the motorcycle shops, the rest areas. You would not believe the people that are out there, man, that are looking for some hope. You know, and so, in fact, I was I was recently reading about this submarine that went down off the coast of Massachusetts in the early 1900s, and. And they couldn't get to the sailors there, but there was one sailor, and he was tapping in Morse code, and he was tapping, is there any hope? Because you see, if there's just a little hope, man, then people can hang on. And so that's what people out there are looking for. And so they're they're not coming in churches looking for that many times, you know? But... When I run into them at the gas pump, man, God opens the door, man. And it's just, I'm not all churchy, man. I don't beat them over the head with a Bible. I just tell them, look, man, 13 years ago, I was a homeless crack addict. I was hopeless. And I got plugged into this ministry, Celebrate Recovery. I began to work these 12 steps, man, and my life changed. One thing that um, I was going to wait kind of to the end to talk about this, but you're there now, is that I, I don't know if y'all carry this. You know, Travis is kind of in the studio with us, kind of off the side here. But y'all, y'all do this um, with the the little rags. Am I saying that? Yeah, right? yeah. So we have the Serenity rags, and right. so that that's just a red oil rag, and it has the full version of the Serenity prayer on it. Do either and one of y'all have one of those with y'all by chance? I got a bunch of them out in the in right. the. Uh, in the trailer, I just ain't got one on me. Usually, I do. Yeah, I was going because I was actually going to bring one in because when I, I since you've become, am I saying this right? The president of of this national director, national yeah. director um, of Broken Chains, um, I have not really spoken to you 
one on one. But I've met a lot of people like Travis um, who have. Just recently, I met him like two weeks ago, and his wife, we were exchanging some card, business cards with one another, and she handed me that rag and said, here, um, you know, uh, to use the rag for the small messes and use the prayer for the big messes. That's right. I was like, man, this is oh, golden. Yeah, I love it. And, you know? and, and, and so that's why I hand those out, man, to, you know, to people like gas pumps and restaurants mm-hmm. and hotels and motorcycle shops, and they love it. And it has the brokenchainsjc.com website, which, you know, leads them to, to celebrate recovery. Recovery leads them, you know, to a place where they can go and find some help, man. You know, so we tell them, look, it's it, it, there. There's hope and help available, man. And we don't. I don't beat them over the head. See, I'm not a big. I mean, I know that the decision is ultimately the most important decision of your life. But the people I'm running into sometimes they're not ready for that decision. Right. So I'm not real churchy, man. I ain't trying to, you know, hit them over the head and say, "Hey, man, you know, if you were to die today, or you, that you'd yeah, go to yeah. no, no." I'm saying, man. You know what? There's a place where it's okay to not be okay. Just a bunch of screwed up people, man. And and you can go there, man, and, and find a community of people that are broken like you are. Right. You know, because if I can get them there, they'll get to that decision. That's the third step, not the first step, right? Right. right. That's exactly what we believe here. You know, we, we consider ourselves a Christian podcast, but yet we don't really ever say that we're Christian on here. I think people know that from who we are and what we sure. talk about. But we, we share our hope and our experience with people. And that's what I believe that you have a story of. And that's one of the reasons I asked you to come in here today was to hear that story. You know, um, of course, we don't have all day. And I know you've got – it's probably in your book as well. Um, You know, in in maybe five to ten minutes, could you give us a brief story of what it was like and what happened and what it's like well, now? Sure, man. You know, I grew up in, in, in I, I grew up heavy, you know, and then I started, I turned to drugs and alcohol as a young teenager, you know, to fit in. And and then when I was, uh, I think I was 19 years old, I got shot in the leg in a bar fight. And, uh, and it, as I recuperated, man, a lot of time off work, I was in the Army, and I just started hanging out at biker bars, you know, and I started realizing that these these biker guys, man, they were, it was a place of acceptance. They accepted mm-hmm. me, man. I was I was, uh, I was was a drunk alcoholic, uh, drug addict, uh, violent, I mean, just, I was a foul guy, man, you know, but these guys, they loved me. In fact, that was, uh, that was a good trait in that world, you know, <laughs> and so I plugged in with that man, and I soon became the president of the motorcycle club and i did that for about 15 years and but then uh you know my sister my big sister died in 2001 of pancreatic cancer and she got sick one day died two weeks later it was uh just a real horrible mess screwed up my whole family you know and and uh and shortly after that i tried crack cocaine for the first time and that really took me out there and and so i ended up uh you know parts of the story i'm just kind of plugging away at it but parts of the story i, I bought a bar in nashville tennessee and uh in this that's bike. a good idea yeah yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> i was still right after i got out of treatment you know i bought a bar and, and so the best advice ever is never leave treatment and buy a bar so but i but i met you know this preacher guy in the bar he was a biker preacher his name is doc ray elder and i love him so much i still talk to him almost every day and uh and so so doc doc loved on me man you know what i mean that that's the the truth doc doc uh made sure i got home safe when i was too drunk to stand you know he uh he picked me up from jail when i was released 
Man, he loved on me when I was unlovable, you know, and he prayed for me when I was hurting. Even though I wasn't buying into any of his Jesus talk, I knew that he cared about me, and I appreciated what I could get from him. You know, looking back, I really, really see that. But then then I ended up homeless uh, for a couple of years and uh, on crack. It was just, uh, you know, a really bad time in my life. And in early 2007, uh, I got out of jail for the last time, and... And I just had that moment of clarity, you know, that we talk about in recovery. And, and so I didn't know anybody didn't get high in Tennessee at the time. So he was the only person. I looked him up and called him. He invited me to church. And, and uh, you know, it was just an amazing experience, you know, where I went to a church without judgment, you know, that just loved on me and they were sweet to me. And, and they pulled, took me in. And, and uh, you know, and I don't know that without that you know, just that kindness, man, that, that kindness. That's why I went back to him. If he'd have been a guy that had been preaching to me and, and condemning me and trying to make me feel guilty, I'm sure I would have never called him. So, you know, I always say we can't guilt people to Jesus. We can't, you know, fuss them to Jesus. We can only love them mm. to Jesus, you know. Yeah. And so, so, and that's what he did for me, man. And, you know, and that was in, in, uh, you know, April 22nd, 2007 was the day I accepted Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior. And, uh, you know, and I always say then, too, you know, and look, I've some Christians want to hit me over the head over this, but everything did not change that day. Mm. Something, something changed, but I still was a liar. I still was a manipulator. I still had severe anguish. I mean, I still had a lot of problems, right? That was my same story. That's, but, yeah. but when I got plugged into recovery, see, that's because I just liken recovery to Christianity or discipleship. Right. Because when I got plugged in, that's when everything changed. You know, that's when the things started to change that, that really needed to change in my outward. You know, so I tell people, you can, you know, you can make that decision and have eternity and not have a bit of freedom here on earth. Mm. It's right. that plugging in, man, is what gets you that freedom here. And that recovery, man, right. cleans us up from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, and then I say, you know, and then if you're, you know, if you're at a church, I mean, who wants to drink from a cup that's filthy on the inside, right? right. So our, so our people, man, our, our families and our congregations, our friends, man, they need to be cleaned up from the inside out too. Right. So that when those hurting people come in, they're not drinking out of filthy cups, man, that are clean on the outside, that's right? That's it, right. You know, so. And so preach right there. I bet he's. I bet he's using the sermon. <laughs> That's right, man. That's right. Glory. <laughs> so this is this is. Um, I guess the the part that I that I hear from you is hope. Um, you know, you, you talk about being a hope dealer today. That's and right. That is that's awesome, and I love that you're not the typical pastor, if you will. Um, in fact, Jason and I are both ordained as well, and um, I've struggled for the longest time because when I felt that call in ministry, I I, I knew that it, that's what God was wanting to do in my life, but I didn't look like a typical pastor, nor did I want to conform to that. And for the longest time, I tried to conform to this preacher image of what you see on Sunday morning at most churches. And I realized that maybe my ministry is not the Sunday morning crowd. It could be, but it's just like you. I'm out to reach the people who seem lost that that can't find hope that's right look if you're surrounded by christians if all your friends are christians and you're then how are you impacting the world how are you reaching lost people right exactly i mean so i can you know i can dress like this and look like this man not only is it me but you know i can impact a community 
that, that you ain't running into at church on a Sunday morning, you know. Right. And and that's what I want to do, man, because it's it's all about reaching the lost. Right. And, you know, I mean, look, there's a lot of churches out there, man, they had a salvation in 10 years because they're preaching to Christians. I mean, right. it's. I, I remember when I was the campus pastor at a big church, you know, and, and our pastor began to change some things up a little bit, and, and the music got a little little crazy, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and people didn't like it. And I remember him saying, well, but we're not trying to cater to you. We're trying to bring people in from the outside, and they they don't want to hear that old stuff that you guys want to hear, <laughs> right. you know. So it was different. And so when you're trying to reach, you know, we, we need to, you know, we need to become all things to all people, right? Um, you know, and, and pull them in, man, and, and pull them in. You know, the the parable of the feast where he said, you know, compel them to come in until my house is full, man. We got that's what we got to do. I don't want to sit in the full house or, or in the half empty right. house, you know talking to a bunch of christians man i want to be out there compelling people to come in man and you know what those people are more interested to sit around the house with any house and now you're <laughs> and now you're literally on the on the highways and the byways out there absolutely. trying to pull them in absolutely because you know what he didn't say go out and make decisions he said go out and make disciples right right it's good, man. That's awesome. <laughs> so you talk about being in recovery, and that was kind of where some changes. But I mean, you said there was a change that happened whenever you found the Lord. But then when you got into recovery, some other things, the line, the manipulation, oh, yeah. all those things begin to change. Let's talk maybe for a few minutes about what re- you know recoveries look like. I-, I think a lot of people think that, well, once I take, remove the drugs, the alcohol, all of this stuff, then everything's great. It's rainbows and butterflies from there on yeah, out. Yeah, that's so crazy, yeah, man. That, because, you know, when I got in recovery, that's the drugs never were my problem, man. The drugs are how I was trying to deal with my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, and so as I began to dig in, man, I found self-esteem issues, man, and I was able to see events in my childhood that shaped who I was, you know, as I got a little older. In fact, you know, I, I talk about in my book, in my testimony, you know, I talk about my father being physically abusive to my mother and when some of my family members read that they were like oh you can't publish that mm-hmm. but it's the truth mm-hmm. it's the truth man and you know i mean my father before he died became a wonderful loving caring man but but i remember those days man and that impacted me you know as i as i came up you know and never being good enough and never you know no matter what i did i was an overachiever but I was never good enough. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I got older, man, I began to medicate those issues with drugs and alcohol, man, and violent behavior. And and so, yeah, as I got into recovery, man, that's, like I say, that's when things really changed, man. Because as I began to plug in and realize, it, you know, the freedom that's available, man, mm-hmm. the free, you know, I'm a biker guy. I've been preaching freedom my whole life, you know. Mm-hmm. But I was in such bondage. I remember being a, a homeless crack addict, and I watched people driving to work in the morning. I think, what fools! What <laughs> fools, man! You know, they've all been, you know, they've been fooled into believing that that's what they have to conform to society. And I thought I was free, and man, I was dying. Mm-hmm. I was dying and didn't even know it, you know. And so you, you, I mean, that was my same same story that I would use the drugs, the alcohol to medicate the underlying issues. And so in recovery, what what kind of new things have you learned to to medicate those issues with? Because tough times still come, oh, oh, struggles yeah. still happen. There's well, you times know, you get one, depressed. For one, I realized that I need to be open about those things, mm-hmm. man. That I need to be able to participate in a share group and have accountability people and a sponsor in my life, you know, and, and Christian mentors that I can talk that stuff out with. But the truth is the truth. Mm-hmm. And so for me, the beauty is when the enemy whispers those lies in my ear, man, 
I don't got to believe them, man, because I know the truth. Right. And the truth really does set me free. So like you said, there is life's a struggle, man. Life is a struggle. That's Jesus said it was going to be a struggle. He mm-hmm. didn't say it would be easy. But he also said that his yoke was easy. His burden was light, man. Because when I when I know the truth, which is what recovery taught me, see, it's just like discipleship for me. But when I know the truth, then then I don't got to bite on those lies, man, that will get in my head about about doing stuff. You know, I mean, look, it's like I just started working out, man, and you know, about two months ago, three months ago, and sticking with it. You know, I woke up yesterday morning in a hotel, man, and and you know, there was a voice in my head saying, "You don't have time this morning." You know. Uh, you don't need, you know, you can skip today. That you know, boy showed up at my house, too. There you go. <laughs> See, but, I, but I didn't have to believe it because I said, you know what? I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me, man. You know, I'm more than a conqueror, man. I have the victory. And, and so I was able to say, I don't have to want to go do it. I just have to go do it, right? Mm-hmm. Just like work. We don't want to go to work, right? most of us. Yeah, exactly. But we do it. And so so that's, and man, I'm feeling better. And, I, you know, and, and so that's the thing. You know, th- things are changing me in me physically because I know the truth, man. And and so that's what helps me get through life. You know, my, my best friend, man, today is his birthday. He died in a motorcycle accident back in May on his way to share his story up in Michigan. And uh, and I was thinking about him this morning. And, you know, I mean, that, it's a horrible loss. But the truth is, he's with Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. You know, when I never forget when we called our pastor from the biker church and said, David's gone. He said, hallelujah, good for him. Oh, man. And that wow. was so right, man. Yeah. I mean, when you think about it, that's right. It sucks for me, yeah. but great for him, you know. So that's you know, that's how I get through the that's day. That's the greatest man. thing about being a Christian for me is there. there's hope outside. I mean, you talk about being a hope dealer. That's the hope you're really giving. I mean, we talk about recovery. Yes, there's hope in that. But that was the big change that happened for me. And I know Jason said this, that when I transitioned, when I first got sober in AA, I got sobered. I was seven years sober in AA before I ever started going to celebrate recovery um, or to church for that gotcha. matter. And, you know, I found salvation in Christ so that there, there was so much more than just getting sober. If I was just sober, yeah. I would have missed out on so much. Oh, know? yeah, absolutely, man, absolutely. I tell you, it's uh – I don't know, man. Life, life is life is good today, man. And, and it's good because of that. You know, I do a Facebook Live every Sunday night, and I get the, you know thousands of, of views on that. And and so I always tell people, you know, of course, I never want to discount a prayer request, but we should have eight praise reports to every two prayer requests. Mm, I mean, yeah, yeah. because when you open your eyes, you know what the problem is as people, man. Without without being plugged in, um, then we magnify the negative. Mm-hmm. You know, oh man, my car's broke down. What about the guy that don't have a car? He'd he'd love to have your broke down car. I mean, <laughs> yeah. so there are so many things, you know, that that if we open our eyes to the blessings, man. I mean, look, you had a hand blown off, right? right. I got two hands. What do I got to wind up? You know what I mean? I mean, there's there's blessings. There's people that can't see today, and we can see or can't hear, and we can hear and talk. I mean. Life is good, man. If you so, I've learned to magnify the reality and not the negative yeah. of it. You know. Well, that's one of the things that Jason talks about a lot is about spiritual disciplines, and um, I know this probably isn't one of those disciplines per se, but it fits in with that. Is you know, you talked about how you use drugs and alcohol to to kind of 
numb those problems. And what recovery's kind of taught us is like what you're speaking of now is like a gratitude. Mm-hmm. I mean, making yeah. gratitude lists, those yeah. type of things of focusing on what God has done, not what he hadn't done yet. Yeah, because, it changes my perspective yeah. on a regular basis. You know, my attitude will be terrible. I won't be grateful. And I'll I'll take the smallest things for granted and then you know, doing the spiritual disciplines like prayer or, or reading the word, it'll it'll reorient my heart back to to gratitude. That's right, and you, you can't be hateful and grateful at the same time, that's right? It. Yeah, that's that's good. Good. Glory to God, yeah, man. When we're, when, and that's that's the biggest thing. I'm so grateful, man. I am so grateful for everything, man. For everything God has done in my life that I just really have. You know, look when and, and not blowing my own horn. It's all about Him. But when I got diagnosed with throat cancer last year, I'll never forget that morning at, at the at the doctor and my wife was with me and they said it came back positive. You do have throat cancer. And I looked at my wife and I said, I get to be a witness at the cancer center. Mm. And, you know, the way that played out is amazing, man, mm. with the techs that did the radiation on me. And one of them just recently got saved, you know, over wow. a year later, man, wow. because she keeps following. And, and, you know, I have relationships with the other ones, man, and they stay encouraged because they're following what God's done doing in my life. And so, I mean, yeah, it's just, you know, when you maintain that attitude of gratitude, man, and realize that. Hey, he turns all things together for the good. So even the bad are good. Right. You know, it's all good, man. I just can't see it sometimes. <laughs> but if I trust it and believe it and I have faith, you know, because faith gives us more power than angels. I mean, angels can't have faith because they see it all. Yeah. We get to have faith, and that's where the power is, man. That's good, man. That's real good. Glory. So to get this, um, you and I, um, when I first kind of met you, we, we went around for a few years. I, we got to talk back and forth like this. And I watched you experience something, and I know I'm hitting you with this, and I know how close this was to you. So if you want to talk about it, that's fine. But um, I know your mom was real close to you, and you were real close to your mom. That's right. And that happened right up around the birth of the Broken Chains Absolutely. deal. Because Her, I remember that van that y'all did something that was, with. That was, the, that was the, the beauty of the ashes of her death. I mean, because her – so when my mother died in 2016, man, oh, my gosh, yeah, she was very special to me, you know. And and, uh, and it was horrible to watch her go through. You know, she had a cancer diagnosis. She was, she was 84 years old. She had worked uh, – for uh, she, 47 years, she was the CEO of a credit union and retired in October. In December, she was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And so she went and she went, she was a fighter. She went through the radiation and chemo and it was, so it was just horrible, but her mind was there. And so that was horrible to see the hope drain out of her. But when she passed away, you know, she left me a, a small inheritance, not a whole lot, but a small inheritance. And I thought, well, I can either go through this and it'll be gone, or I can buy myself a brand new Harley, which I've never had in my whole life. I've been a motor, I've been a biker my whole life. I've always had Harleys, never had a brand new one. So I took that money and I went and bought me a brand new bike. And it, and it wasn't long after that that God gave me the vision, uh, you know, for broken chains. And so that, so I know that you know, well, one, I know that none of us get out of here alive. She lived a great life. She wasn't sick at all, you know, till the very end. And uh, I miss her very much. I wish she could see what God's doing now because she got to watch what he did a lot. But, but as a result of her death, now there are literally thousands of members of Broken Chains 
all over the country, all over the world, Norway, Canada, Mexico, Vietnam, Australia, England, Haiti, Kenya, out sharing hope with people. So as a result of her passing, man, tens and hundreds of thousands of people are hearing a message of hope. And so you can see even in that story, and that's what I wanted to kind of let people see, it was tragic for you to go through that. But sure. you made it through sober. Um, and, and you can even see how God can work some of the most darkest, horrible things of our life for good. Everything, man. Everything. And so when we believe that, you know, then it's all good, man. I mean, it's still tough. Of course. I'm saying it's tough, but you're right. I stayed sober through that because I'm plugged into the process of recovery. And so I, I have the tools. You know, I don't have to turn to crack cocaine to deal with my grief or my sorrow anymore. I have brothers in Christ that I can turn to, you know, and I have spiritual principles that I can work, you know, and, and that, that keeps me sober. So how many members is there in Broken Chains now? So we're, we're right at 3,000 members. So we're three years old, right at 3,000 members. And uh, it's thousand members a year, huh? Yeah. yeah <laughs> That's it's good. Been, it's, it's so crazy how it's grown like it has, man. It's, uh, you know, we have riding and non-riding members. So you don't have to be a biker, man. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, early on, one of, the, one of the elders of my church, I go to a biker church, which is mm-hmm. really cool. You know, we have hundreds of motorcycles outside every Sunday morning. And uh, one of the guys came to me, a, a guy that actually used to be in another motorcycle club that we were at. We were killing each other. My motorcycle club and this guy's, but now we go to church together. But when when Broken Chains was starting, you know, he came to me and he said, "You know what, Jeff?" He said, "If it's all about the motorcycle, you missed the point. It's all about getting the word out about Jesus Christ." So then God just showed me, you know what? Whether you're on a motorcycle or not, you can wear a vest, a black leather vest with a patch on the back, and people are going to tap you on the shoulder and say, "What's that?" What's that? And that's yeah. the beauty of broken chains. That's mm-hmm. I don't got to tap people on the shoulder at the gas station; they tap me on the shoulder. Mm-hmm. And so when they instigate the conversation, oh, you man, got them in. That's right, yeah. man. You know, and so you don't got the serenity rags, and and so we've got our patches are a little different for non-riding members than riding members, um, because I, I figure our ministry goes in a little different direction but uh but it's all about those conversations so has anybody got more patches on their vest than you do i don't know i think there are yeah, <laughs> yeah i think some do man some just are crazy with it you know it's not some other christian or even motorcycle groups out there they have real protocol when it comes to patches yeah. and so i always had a problem with that i said i'm not going to be a patch nazi yeah. you know you guys do whatever you want we give a guide we when we when what somebody joins we said this is a plas- uh, patch placement guide Right. Uh, but do what you want. Mm. So it's like guidelines and CR. Don't, don't call them rules. Nobody likes to follow rules. We just call them guidelines, <laughs> That's right? right? That's right, man. That's right. Oh, gracious. Well, I know this is going to be kind of um, probably tooting your horn or broken chains horn, but Travis, come stick your head in over so they can see you on the video. Um, you know, I met Travis about two. Um, I, I met Travis a few weeks ago, and Travis actually um, was telling me a little bit of story about some of the things y'all did for him. Tell me how all that panned out. So, so Travis joined Broken Chains, and he was a non-writing, we call him associate member. And uh, and man, and I, I'll never forget. So Travis contacted me, and he said, "Man, is there some way I could get the writing member patch?" And I said, man, I can't do it, bro. You know, it's just it's just the way it is. If I did it for you, I'd do it for everybody. Then what's the difference? 
he didn't miss a beat. He didn't get discouraged or upset or angry, man. He just kept on doing it, man. He kept on doing that thing. I was watching this guy on social media, and he was getting the word out, man, about Jesus Christ. He was getting the word out that change is possible, man. He was sharing hope and healing with everybody, man. With every, I mean, every time I looked, he was every weekend, uh, three or four nights a week, man, he was out doing that thing. And so then somebody donated a motorcycle, you know, to uh, to Broken Chains. And it was a pretty nice motorcycle, actually, you know, worth quite a bit of money, you know. And, and some folks initially said, well, let's sell it. And I said, you know, no, let's find somebody that deserves it, that'll use it, you know, to share the gospel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, man, no, I couldn't think of anybody else uh, that deserved it more than this guy. I mean, we got lots of members out there doing it, but he was, he was just in, in a mega way, man. You know, I'm so proud of Travis. Yeah, that's good. So, I mean, was that a shock when you got that phone call? It actually made me cry. That's the bad part. I mean, I'm a grown man. <laughs> and, and here I am, somebody giving me a bike of yeah. this value. It just it blew my mind. Because I'm like, I'm just out here doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm doing what I'm led to do, which is reach people, let them know that there's hope. And for them to call me up and say, hey, we got a bike for you? Just it blew my mind. I was like, "You're joking, right? This, this got to be a prank, right?" He's like, "No, brother, I got one for you." And I'm like, "Oh my god, no!" <laughs> that, that's the. I was literally I walked back in because we still eating at the time. And I, I, I was. I had tears. I'm like, "What's wrong?" I was like, "Jeff just come. He gave me a bike." <laughs> like I don't know how to react to this. <laughs> and the good thing about the bike, it's let me reach more people now. Because I've been going to bike nights back in town. Normally, if you don't have a bike and you go up there, everybody kind of looks at you like, yeah, what are you doing up here? You just want to hang around. And now that I've had the bike, there's now at least, including Broken Chains, four different motorcycle ministries that go up to bike night now. They don't serve the alcohol up there no more like they used to. The whole crowd is changing up there for the better. You're starting to see more people turn their lives around up there at bike nights and stuff. And I'm just like, That's okay. right, because you know what? When you, when you put a little bit of light in the darkness... It begins to light up the whole room, right? That's it. And that darkness starts yeah. leaving. <laughs> That's good, man. Well, I do have to ask you, as Travis, we'll get him on 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 recording on this, so we'll know for sure. Is we were just talking in the hallway before you got in there. He said he that you called him and you said, "Hey, man, how do you do? You like gold wings?" And he said, "Yeah." But the question is this: If he would have said, "No, nah, I wouldn't take one of those," if you gave it to me, what would you do? <laughs> I said, "Well, you could probably sell it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's good, man. I, I, I just. You know, and I know that's probably something you don't go around telling everybody. And you know what a blessing it is to Travis, but more importantly, uh, a blessing if you can bless the kingdom, man. Just to see how that works out, and how you're you're just a soldier now for Christ and out there doing it, and um, it's so weird i guess to sit here and see you know i got tats of my own but you know just to see people out just sharing the gospel i mean oh, yeah. you talk about reaching those people i mean with the tats on you and the leather y'all wear there's a lot of christians you'll run off oh yeah but yeah, yeah. But we ain't trying to get to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, I love it, man. I yeah, absolutely yeah, I mean, love there, it. there's a lot of people that would be nervous to talk to a guy in a suit and tie, mm. man. But they'll come up to it's. It, it's almost. I don't know what the if irony is the word. I don't know what the right word to describe it is. But but the very thing, the very way I used to dress. 
keep people from bothering me is the very thing that seems to draw them in mm-hmm. to want to talk to me today. You know, I mean, it's and and I've noticed, and like you said about the bike, I could put my bike on a trailer and pull it behind the truck and go somewhere, and I don't get those conversations. But when I pull up to the gas pump on the motorcycle, I mean. Literally ninety eight percent of the time, somebody is going to come up and talk to me and want to know. You know, I got a trailer. It says Hope Dealer and Broken mm-hmm. Chains, and you know, I mean, people just come up and they say, "What's what's that all about?" And give them the shop rag, man. You know, tell them that those couple minute testimony, man, and tell them that there's a summer recovery somewhere near you, man, right yeah. around here. That's in fact that's one of the one of the cool things. I was with a guy from another Christian bike group. Now we're we're completely different, man. That's the thing. If we, if we were the same as another Christian bike group, I would have just joined one of them. Right. We do something completely different. And so I was with this guy and we were at a Starbucks and and we were both we had our patches on. He was a, with the Christian motorcycle ministry and it and a guy came in, man, and he came up to us and he said, man I need a change in my life. Obviously, you guys are Christians, man. Would you pray with me to accept Christ? Mm-hmm. So we prayed with him right there at Starbucks. But then I was able to say, now, look, man, don't stop here. Put this app on your phone, this Sober Recovery app. Go to the locator and find a Sober Recovery and go there, man. Go there. And so like 10 minutes later, he came walking up and he said, man, I found two of them close to where I live and I'm going to go. And that other biker was like, Wow. We, I pray with them to receive Christ and then walk away because mm-hmm. I don't know what it, you know, and and that's almost a disservice, <laughs> right? You yeah, know, I get that to pray sure. with them, walk away, man. I right. mean, you know, you got it's that process, man, mm-hmm. you know, to get people plugged into. So, so, uh, so that's great. I always say we're not a biker ministry, we're bikers doing ministry, right? Well, all right, man. Um, uh, I want to bring us up to this last part, Jason. You want back in on these final four? Um, <laughs> Travis, you done took over, bro. Why does that say that? Podcast number three. <laughs> um, so this is how we wrap up all of our, our shows. And I, and I did for um, for everybody listening. They know that you kind of been given these questions. Gotcha. And um, so you've had a little time to think. Because they are, uh, maybe some of them are a little deeper. Uh, some of them aren't. But um, the first question is, can you name a, a book other than the Bible? Everybody tries to go to the Bible on this one. But a, a book other than the Bible, a movie or podcast has changed the way that you look at an area of your life. So as I started thinking about that when I got that question, you know, I tell you the biggest thing that hit me, and a lot of people get crazy about, you know, women preachers and that too, but but I'm not. I'm, I'm down with anybody who can bring their truth to me. And so when I first got saved, uh, Joyce Myers had this program, and, and for people that, that, I guess, that donated, they sent out a little cassette on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. And so there was a lady at my church. And she gave me a shoebox full of those cassettes. And, man, I did new – I'm a tile guy. And so I was doing new construction. I worked by myself. And I would listen to Joyce Myers all day, every day. And, man, God used her to build a foundation in me that is still not shaken. And and I tell you, that – that's the foundation, man. She built – God used her to build a foundation with me with her everyday life – you know, and now it's a podcast, so I right. guess you could call it a podcast. Right. But uh, and I listen to her when I'm working out in the mornings now, um, it, it, because she just seems to have a way of of making scripture come to life in in today's society and you know in life today. And so, uh, so yeah, I think that that is the most important thing in me is the foundation. Because look, I blow everywhere, right? But it's that foundation, you know, that was laid in me early on that that's kept me solid. About the roots where you dug in. That's at, right? right. That's right. <laughs> 
Uh, the second one is if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world, what phrase would you put on it? Change is possible. Amen. Because that's that's I mean, that's the good news. You know, to the good the good news to a blind man is you you don't have to be blind. And uh, the good news to someone that's hurting and dealing with life, man, is that change is possible. And I believe that with my whole heart, man. Change is I know it is because it happened to me, right? Yeah. Happened to you. Happened to you. Happened to you. Yeah. And but people, do, you know, we take that for granted. They're out there and they don't know that, man. They don't know that, and I want people to know that. Awesome. All right, so then um, my third one is when talking about the 12 steps, because we talk, that's what we usually talk about every every show here is about the 12 steps. When talking about the 12 steps, what is your favorite step? So I thought about that, man. And, you know, so the first step, you know, as a man of my life's out of control, man, I, I worked that for 44 years. You know, I knew it. I, I mean, I always knew. I, I wasn't in denial. I knew my <laughs> life was out of control the whole time. But the, But the second step. When I came to believe, man, when I came to believe, that's the that's the important step because the other stuff is great stuff that I have to work, that I continue to have to work every day. But that, that, I don't know, that, that day, that day that, that everything really got different was the day that I came to believe. Awesome. That's good stuff. I mean, because, you know, it's funny we hear different steps, and different steps mean different things to different people. Um, and I would have thought all day you were going to tell me the 12th step because that's what you're doing even right now as you're passing through here, going to the next one, carrying that message out to someone else. But, you know, you couldn't carry that message had you never believed that's in right, your so, Because when I came to believe, man, all the other steps, I mean, they had to be done. Right. And I found freedom. And like you said, I live out the 12th step, the ain't principle. Every day, but why? Because I came to believe. That's it. Well, then the last one is: is how can people reach you? www.motorcyclemissionary.com. Motorcyclemissionary.com. That's right. So the so the thing is with Broken Chains, you know, we're 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 a large organization. We have BrokenChainsJC.com is our website, and you can go on there and buy shop rags and t-shirts and patches and all that stuff. I don't draw any money, not a dime from Broken Chains. So very early on, I didn't want people to think that Broken Chains was a fundraising system for Jeff Stoltz. So I immediately started my own organization called motorcycle missionary um because that's what i do actually any christian biker is a motorcycle missionary but uh so that's how i raise funding you know to to be able to travel and and do what i do so i have some churches that sponsor me as a missionary um some individuals that sponsor me as a missionary and then of course i have my my hope dealer books you know that are available for 16 dollars, and they are they will be on amazon soon too but don't buy them from there because i don't get as much motorcyclemissionary.com and i'll sign it for you and send That's it to it. you <laughs> and so if, if somebody wants you to come speak at their church whether it's preaching or a cr testimony or any of those things would they find you at that same yeah place? they could go right to that website you know hit the contact information i mean you can do jeff stoltz at motorcyclemissionary.com is my email and uh but you can there's a contact form right there and there's also a calendar on there too so if you're if you want to 
come out and hear me somewhere where I'm at. It's got all my all the dates and churches and, and times and addresses and cool and all that good stuff. So, oh, man. Well, again, thanks for coming out and being with us, um, Travis. You too. Thanks for stopping in. It was an honor to be here. And um, I know y'all got to hit the road again. Y'all are headed out to to Pelham. We're here going to while. sling some hope, brother. I hear you, man. Glory to God. Yeah, man. We're going to celebrate recovery up in Pelham, Alabama tonight. And I know by the time this airs, that'll be yeah. done. But uh, but you know, it's what I do. I was in uh, Starkville, Alabama last night, and the night before that in uh, where was I? The night before that, Carthage. Start, no, Starkville, Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, I'm like, Carthage, no, man, I, Mississippi. I ain't sure. But. Yeah, yeah. So I got I had nine stops in eighteen days. You know, about three thousand miles on the motorcycle. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing that many people actually want you to be it's around. It's crazy. You know? It's crazy. Look, they used to lock the door when they heard I was coming. I'm telling you, in fact, I got to tell you a quick story, and we'll get off of here. Um, when I went to the, my first summit, um, you know, the, I had host housing, and some people they 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 let me stay in these. It was a you know multi million dollar home, and they gave me a key to the front door. And I thought, you know what, my parents don't even let me in when they're not home yet. Right. I've only been sober a year and a half. So uh, <laughs> so that was that was that's so cool. Good. But that's what recovery does yeah, for yeah. us, right? Amen. All right. Well, guys, again, we thank y'all for coming, and y'all welcome anytime. Y'all holler back at us if we can ever help y'all or do anything for you. Thanks for the invite. All right. We'll Pretty see you soon. guys. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics.